Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter, beginning with the 10th verse. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered him and said, You hypocrites, do you not, did not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger? and lead it away for water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all of his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at the wonderful things he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. As we gather, I say grace and peace be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. I remember attending a federal chaplain's conference where the speaker's topic was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And you may remember he was a martyr during World War II. Someone asked her a question about the current political situation and the martyr. And her response was, I don't even watch the news because of all the negativity. Now, given the current political climate, I'm sure that most of us have heard more than we care to hear. But however, as a history major and a part-time history teacher at Luther North High School years ago, I've always enjoyed looking at political campaigns, especially those from an earlier era, uh, around the 20th century. The campaign of 1896 was rather interesting. It pitted William Jennings Bryan, Bryan a congressman from Nebraska, against William McKinley, a former congressman and government, governor of Ohio. Bryan was the Democratic and populist nominee facing an uphill battle. Some were abandoning Bryan to vote for McKinley. Mc Bryan was born in Illinois and decided the best strategy for the Democratic, uh, Democratic victory was to bring his message to the people. He traveled around the country in a very new and unusual technique he spoke from the back of railroad cars, 1896. Now, on the other hand, McKinley just ran a traditional front porch campaign from his home in Canton, Ohio. He greeted thousands of people they had to run extra trains to Canton. He did not go out on the stump, but from his front step, he smoked, spoke daily to the visitors and to the press. He didn't keep, keep in touch with Republican headquarters through the telegraph, and through the telephone, which had a brand new feature called long-distance phoning. <laughs> McKinley won and for four years later ran for re-election again against Bryan and, and won. But the assassinate was assassinated in 1901 by an unemployed laborer, an anarchist. So it's rather interesting if you look at this on the Vassar uh, College U.S. History site, they had comments about this campaign. And one of the comments they had posted was, on all sides, such laudatory pieces appeared in newspapers, sometimes side by side with bitter editorial attacks 
and exaggerated characters directed at the same person. Some things, I guess, have never changed. Now, when I study uh, U.S. history from various time periods, I often wonder if our current politicians would be happy staying at home and we just went to see them. But I guess with all the new media and everything else today, that's probably not going to work very well. But as I do listen to some of the news and recall political events of history, I suspect there are many who are rather bent out of shape over the politics in our nation, in our nation and its history. Many are, uh, and with our form of government, we, that's probably what we can expect. My Canadian family and relatives all vote for parliament they, and people from a riding, and it can be different parties. So at least some of the people on the far left and far right do get a voice in parliament in Canada. Eh? But uh, we aren't sure, but I was talking to one of my campus pastor friends one time about this, and he said, he said given the, he, neither one of us could understand why there was so much negativity and a rather unusual political scene that's been happening over several years. We both agreed, though, we weren't sure about the reason, but we both agreed that someone was going to get a PhD in poli sci or in history trying to figure out what's going on politically in today's world. The picture in today's gospel text indicates those who are bent out of shape, both from a physical perspective and an emotional one. The late Scottish theologian and commentator William Barclay puts it this way. He writes, Jesus healed a woman who for 18 years had not been able to straighten her bent body. And then the president of the synagogue intervened. And Barclay suggests that the pr because of the healing on Sabbath, the leader of the synagogue who was angry was also rather emotionally bent out of shape. So we live uh, with physical and emotional bentness that needs healing. This morning's gospel, I think, does suggest a healing to deal with the physical and emotional brokenness. It reminds me of one of my members in down, when I had my first parish in central Illinois down by Champaign. She had MS and was doing okay when we were there and a few years later when we visited after we moved to Chicago, I could tell the disease was obviously taking its toll. When we had an adult Bible class that had a topic about this particular issue, she had a great realization and understanding that the stories of Jesus, of Jesus were more than just a few miracles for a few people. For her, the message of Jesus was a way to live life. And she understood that God in Christ offers healing in many ways. And she had understood that Christ's presence was in her life, even in the midst of all her bentness and her difficulty with physical, her physical ailment. And as a young pastor, I learned to appreciate that when you're bent out of shape like that, that you can understand having God's presence in your life and giving you the healing that's needing, needed. Last uh, Friday, uh, this past Friday evening, I participated in the ordination of a woman who had been called to word and service in a, uh, as a deacon in a Park Ridge parish. Bishop Curry was presiding and offered an interesting perspective on today's gospel. He told a story about when he was riding on the L on his way home. He said he saw a former client from his days as a counselor, and they kind of, and the client recognized him, and they kind of nodded each other and said something. And then the bishop said he saw a man bent over by the door, hanging on to the pole. And he motioned to his former client and kind of whispered, bent. 
to the client and, and wondered if that was the issue. And the bishop went on to explain that in the black community, the word bent means either overindulgence in something, and uh, that's an indication that there may be some, either some kind of addiction that was involved. But the former client shook his head no, and then moved closer to the bishop. And the bishop was informed that the man bent over was known as Charlie, and a regular rider on the particular, that particular L at that particular time of the day. And the bishop then said, and had been some, for treatment for a medical condition. But the bishop said, then he looked more closely, and he suddenly, and then he noticed that Charlie was wearing a very faded United States Army uniform. Other passengers knew Charlie, and when he, they got to 55th Street, several of them yelled at him, Charlie, Charlie, wake up. So he woke up, got off the train before the doors closed. And the bishop suggested that he had made a mistake when he first looked at Charlie and said it's easy to make a mistake of judging others without knowing what the facts are. And he mentioned that this was similar to the religious, religious leaders in today's gospel text who condemned Jesus for bringing healing to those who were bent. And the bishop made the point that we need to recognize that in many times in our lives, even if we are not physically bent, we may be emotionally bent. Not, and not in the sense the black community uses the term, but at various times there are issues or various health problems or events that weigh heavily on us and bend us over. And the bishop made the point that on those occasions, we need the healing brought by Christ as he did to the woman in today's gospel text. As a re retired military U.S. Army chaplain, I've been involved with several veterans groups who try to bring healing to our military veterans who are bent because of various issues. And I've been privileged to know Major General Jim Mukiyama, who founded Military Outreach USA as a national organization with a faith-based outreach to military personnel. It, it reaches all with various uh, faith traditions. Some of, you, some of you may be familiar with military outreach. A couple of parishes I've filled in at, um, people have said, oh yeah, I belong to that, or our church has been involved with that, because I, maybe you don't know, but the bishop appointed me many years ago to be the centurion representative in the synod. I'm kind of the resource person for parishes who want to do something with military. But one of General Mukiyama's, and I've been privileged to know him, resources included a book on moral injury. He was, his very emphasis has been moral injury and suggests an approach to the issue. He writes in his book how to approach someone who has a moral injury. Create a safe place for the person to talk. Listen with love and compassion. Learn how experiences have affected their spiritual beliefs. What, they do, what, what do they believe that they, in order to be healed? A ask how they would like to receive help. Resist from rushing into interventions, but look for depression and suicidal possibilities, and then make referrals to professional help if needed. And I think that's in encouraging the uses that we have, is not unlike the woman in the gospel text, who sometimes when we're literally bent over, out of shape, or not as God intended, we need to hear the words of our Lord, how it sets us free and how it straightens our lives up. And I think that applies to each one of us. And Jesus tells the religious leaders about bentness. And the synagogue leader was in bondage to all these rules. 
He was so busy keeping the rules that he ceased to be a compassionate and loving person. And I think there are acts of mercy that he would do towards his animals, but not towards human beings. That's what Jesus was pointing out. And Luke records that the man and those who agreed with him were humiliated and ashamed. And it's hope, hopefully that their shame caused them to put their priorities straight in terms of not enforcing the rigid and tight rules that they had. And I realize we need rules to make our society better, but when rules hinder the love that we have for others and prevent that from happening, we may need to th rethink how we, how we present God's message to those around us. And, and Jesus had a passion for people, not rules. We know, I know some rules are needed, been in the army long enough to know that, but Jesus gave two new commandments in the New Testament. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And the bystanders in the story were also freed, and they thought what Jesus had done was just wonderful. So I think it's a reminder that God is a loving God who wanted them to be free to love those around them. The commentator, the late commentator William Barclay puts it this way, Jesus' action in this manner makes it clear that it's not God's will that any human being should suffer one moment longer than is absolutely necessary. Jesus gives twice to those who give, Jesus gives twice who gives quickly, as the Latin proverb has it, no helpful deed that we can do today should be postponed until tomorrow. No helpful deed that we can do today should be postponed until tomorrow. And I think Barclay's message are indeed, indeed a um, reminder about the love of God as being a very powerful thing in our world. And as we read about Jesus' actions towards the woman and the synagogue leader and how they were freed, we remember that you and I have been freed by the cross of Christ and we live with his grace and his empowerment to be people, his people, doing our mission in this part of God's world. So that's what we're free to do, to present God's love and grace in a, it to those around us. Amen. Peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.